You're listening to the best of the day. And Bruff. Canucks win! Canucks win! Take that, Toronto! Elias Pettersson and JT Miller scored shorthanded goals 44 seconds apart on the same penalty kill. Yes, that's right. That penalty kill. Uh, that's more than enough than the Canucks needed. A 4-1 victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs at Rogers Arena on Saturday. Again, I reiterate, the worst penalty kill maybe in the modern era. Not just this season. Somehow managed to score two shorthanded goals on the same penalty kill. Yeah, the PK actually got it done for the Canucks with those goals, and there's a guy in goal for the Vancouver Canucks, Thatcher Demko, who has returned and looks terrific. Uh, we all remember Demko did not get off to the best start uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it was one of the many, many major reasons. There were many major reasons why the many. Canucks struggled many. to start the season, and uh, they're still not perfect. Uh, but they got it done against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the Leafs outplayed the Canucks for large portions of the game, but the Canucks, um, you know, got it done with key moments, especially on the PK. But mostly, it's goaltending. Like that's 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 been the major difference. Uh, Thatcher Demko, the the goalie that we all know and love here in Vancouver, is back. Um, it's always fun to beat the Leafs. I was actually at BC Place at the rugby. Uh, at the Rugby Sevens, which was a, a fun event, as always, on, on Saturday. So I, I didn't get to go to the game or I didn't even get to watch the game. But from all that I've heard, the atmosphere in the arena, Rogers Arena, it was a really fun night. And anytime the Leafs come to town, and especially if the Canucks can beat them, it's a fun atmosphere. But let me tell you, Team Tank is getting really worried with Demko back in form and Hronik on the way, uh, the Canucks have been like they've almost bought two players at the at the deadline because, of course, they've brought in Hronik, but yeah. and and we'll see when he's going to be uh, healthy enough to play, and we'll see what kind of impact he has. But the the big one for me is Demko, mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of Canucks fans that like they're just torn on the issue of whether this is good or not because. You know, there there is the incentive to lose games down the stretch and give yourself a better shot at Connor Bedard and the rest of the studs in this draft. But also, like, I don't think anyone didn't want Thatcher Demko to turn it around just because he plays for the Canucks and he's a pretty important asset for the Vancouver Canucks, either playing for the team or I wouldn't want to bring it up, but. You know, if there's some teams out there that are looking for goaltending this offseason, maybe they'd be willing to pay pretty, pretty big for a Thatcher Demko that looks like the Demko that played Saturday in Toronto and has returned from the injury and looked terrific. Evil media always trying to trade our best players, always trying to drive them out of town. No, I agree with you on this. I think um, this is a good thing. And I understand... Anyone that wants them to plummet to the bottom of the standings to get a better percentage chance of winning a lottery that they've never won and never will, uh, I understand that you're upset. The Canucks are doing everything in their power to finish ninth in the Western Conference. Well, that's what they're supposed to do I know. on the ice. I know. That is their job. Thatcher Demko's job is to stop as many pucks as humanly possible mm-hmm. and get paid handsomely for it. That's the return. That's the job. And here's the thing. Everyone needs to come to grips with what's going on here because the Canucks are spelling it out in very plain language. Next season really matters. Patrick Alvin said on Friday that he expects them to be a playoff team. Everything that they are doing, 
every piece of business, every trade, every transaction, everything Tocket does, everything Foot and Gonchar do, where they're like, stop letting in so many goals. <laughs> they're all, all, all designed to be way better next season and to try and make the playoffs. Yeah. We just need to come to grips with that. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying, well, what's going on right now? Well, what's going on right now is they're trying to get Thatcher Demko uh, up to speed. Because remember, he's missed, what, the better part of two and a half months mm-hmm. with an injury. Get his confidence back. Get him back to where he was during the, the, the halcyon days of Bruce. There it is. And then hit next season running. They want to hit next season running. That's the impression that I have gotten from listening to more talk at audio than I ever need to listen to, to be honest. I, I Every clip that comes through. Your impression is 100% on. This is, this is, and this is why they brought talk it in. And, and this is why they went out and made the Philip Peronic deal at the time that they did. First of all, they found out he was available. But also, I think they want to get him into the lineup and acclimated to Vancouver. And again, the Canucks have had so many bad starts to the season. They want to avoid that next season. Now, mm-hmm. the pressure is going to be on even more to avoid those bad starts. And we'll see if they start on the road again. That'd be bad. Maybe they might want to switch that up a little bit. Um, the Canucks are 4-2-1 and one in their last seven. And the idea, really, of finishing in the bottom five of the league seems pretty remote now. Now, why is that important, finishing in the bottom five? Because there's the consensus is, and everyone's going to have different draft opinions, but the consensus is is that there are five studs in this draft. Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Benson, and Mitchkov, right? And then after that, who knows? Like People will have different opinions, but the consensus is that those five guys will go first. Maybe Mitchkov might be a little bit different just because he's Russian, so there, there is that factor, so he could drop. But there's a reason. Who is the team that did the top five protected top five protected draft? I can't remember who it was. It doesn't really matter. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the, the overall standings, um, I don't think the Canucks are going to be finishing below Arizona, Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago, or Columbus. Those five teams are pretty much locked into the bottom five, especially the way Demko's playing, especially the way the schedule softens up for the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver's more in the mix with Montreal, Philly, and maybe even St. Louis for, I don't know, what, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth worst? Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is the way it is. I, you know, whether you like it or not, and one of your messages was like, we all got to get comfortable with this. Not comfortable, but we all got to accept this, that this is the way the Canucks are going to go about their business, yep. which is a lot of people will point out <laughs> the same way they've gone about their business for the last, what, six, seven, ah, eight years? But it's yeah. a different guy but conducting the business. Here's now. the 10-game winning this, streak to end the season. But this time, uh, it'll be different. We never okay, had Philip Hironik before. By the way, it was Ottawa in the Jacob Chikrin trade. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, but I didn't want to just BS my way through I'm here for you, buddy. Okay, um, the JT Miller situation. Sorry, folks, but we got to talk about this because Elliot Freeman on the 32 Thoughts podcast basically broke down what he thinks happened on trade deadline day. Or what didn't happen. Or in the days leading up to the trade deadline between the Vancouver Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. First of all, Laddie, I want to play Alvin on JT Miller. Uh, do you have that ready to go? Yes or no? Just use your mic. Use your mic. 
There's two JT Miller clips. One okay. from Central? The, the, not the one from Central. Okay. The one that he said at the press conference when he talked about not getting an offer for JT Miller. Play, this is this is Patrick Alvin, general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Right after the deadline, this is what he had to say on all the talk about JT Miller. I had uh, one team uh, that reached out to me here uh, this morning. Um, I don't think they were very serious. Um, I never had an offer uh, for JT Miller, so I leave it at that. Okay, so he says that they never had an offer for JT Miller. Mm -hmm. Now, do you believe option A, that there just wasn't a team that interested in JT Miller? Mm -hmm. Or do you believe option B, that what Patrick Galvin is, is saying in the way, you know, we never had an offer on JT Miller is more semantics? Uh, okay, so I'm going to say B based largely on what Fridge said on 32 Thoughts. So the, we're going to play the clip. You want to play the clip now? It's yeah, long. let's play the whole thing. Okay. It's a long clip, but I think you got to leave it long because <laughs> got to leave it long because there's a lot of information and it kind of walks you through chronologically what he figures happened here. Uh, it starts off with, and I cut this part out, Fridge with this anecdote about how if he wasn't going to be a reporter, he would have been a lawyer. And one of the things the lawyers will always tell you is that Unless you have something formalized in writing that both parties have agreed to in terms of an offer, then you don't have an offer. You have the concept of maybe having an offer, but you don't have an actual offer. Does this sound like semantics? Because if so, good. That's essentially what we're talking about here. Then Fridge really dives into the nitty-gritty about what went down between Pittsburgh and the Canucks regarding JT Miller. Again, it's a long clip. But take it all in, folks. It's a Monday morning. Here's Elliot Friedman uh, on the Pittsburgh-Vancouver situation from 32 Thoughts. I think they talked about it. Here's the problem. I think Vancouver wanted a young center, and Pittsburgh doesn't have one of those. Was Vancouver willing to deal with Pittsburgh? Yes, I think they were. Was Pittsburgh willing to deal with Vancouver? Yes, I think they were. Were the two of them able to make a deal together? No. I don't think they were. But were they trying to think of ways that they could possibly make it happen? Yes. I think it was incredibly complicated. I think it might have had to involve two other processes. Number one was finding a young center that the Canucks would be happy with. So would Pittsburgh have to trade for this young player and then trade him to Vancouver? Mm -hmm. Or would it have to be a three-way deal? And also, and this wasn't necessarily Vancouver's business, it was Pittsburgh's. If Pittsburgh traded for a guy with JT Miller's contract, what would they have to do to their roster? Would they have to call other teams and say, can you take this player or that player? Because if Vancouver wasn't willing to take the player, who would have been? So I don't believe there was an actual offer made because I don't think either side could get there. I think you had... Two partners willing to dance. Do you want to dance? Yes, I want to dance. But then they realized they couldn't agree on what dance step to use. Or what song. Or what song to <laughs> dance to. I like this song. I don't like that song. Let's wait for the next song. That's what I think it was. I mm. think it was incredibly complicated. 
I think Vancouver was willing. I think Pittsburgh was willing, but they didn't have exactly what each other wanted. And if that was the case, what else would Pittsburgh have to do to get a player with Miller's salary on their roster? Now, I don't think this is over. I think it could potentially be discussed in the offseason. I just heard right now it was incredibly complicated, but it doesn't mean if there's a will, they can't go back to this. But as someone said to me, it's going to be really hard to do. It probably needs one more team, maybe two, and we'll see. As you're saying this, I'm saying to myself, well, if the Vancouver Canucks are looking for a young center, why are they calling Pittsburgh? Like this one has multi-layers to it or Pittsburgh doing some homework first and then coming back to Vancouver with a presentation before they do anything. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the two teams discussed who's the young player around the league that you like. Like I don't know this for sure. I want to stress this. Mm-hmm. But if you told me the two teams like said, okay, who's the young center Vancouver would want, and they both kind of looked at it and said, can we do this? Like, the way I think this really went crazy in the last few days is because I think one, if not both of those teams, were talking to other teams about what else would have to happen if we wanted to get this deal done. That makes 100% sense to me. That's what I think now. On Friday night, that's what I think. So, it's it's a lot to digest there. Now, we get some people texting in. Why are you guys talking about a JT Miller trade that didn't happen? On a Monday, after the Canucks beat the Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada and everything and everything, you got to think big picture. We're not talking about a trade that didn't happen so that we can revisit one of our favorite talking points of the last nine months. Here's what you have to understand. This season right now does not matter. They're, the Canucks, no playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Not going to make it. Got a feeling they're not going to make it. Next season... <laughs> Very much matter. Big important. Okay? When you talk about trades that happen in the NHL, oftentimes they are birthed a year in advance sometimes. Everyone remember? Like uh, the Oliver ekman Larson deal, maybe? Everyone remember that one? Yeah. Remember how a year before they made the trade, <laughs> they started talking about the trade? Do you remember that? That's why this is important. Because... There's talk about, and if you want to cut through the four minutes of what Frege had to say, it, the crux of it is basically this. Both parties were interested in doing something. <clears throat> it was just too complicated at the time, and they ran out of time. That's what a deadline is. You have a certain time to do a deal. At a certain point, both parties may have said, let's put the phones down for now, and let's pick them back up later. This is too hard to do right now, um, given the deadline. And given all the cap constraints around the league, uh, perhaps the Canucks bit off a little more than they could chew with their demands around, we got to find a centerman, a young centerman, if we're going to pull off this deal. Um, But as you mentioned, we all know that next season matters. And we all know, here's the thing, we all know that when they sent Horvat to the Islanders, they made sure to get a young center in return, in Atu Ratu. Now, Will the Penguins still be interested in JT Miller this offseason? What if Ron Hextall gets fired like everyone in Pittsburgh seems to want? I'm talking about the fans there. 
And Josh Yohei of The Athletic. <laughs> Could they even fit Miller after adding Michael Granlin? Michael Granlin wasn't a rental. He's still got like two or three years left. Five, five million dollars. I'm frankly shocked that the Penguins didn't do something bolder. They also got Nick Benino. Then I, adding, but I, but I get what you're saying. Then adding Michael Backle or Michael Granlund mm-hmm. at, at the deadline. Yeah, I know they got Benino and they got what Kulikov too. Is that gonna is that gonna move the needle for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Malkin, Latang, and Sid are signed for multiple years more. They are not getting any younger. They are all into their mid thirties now, which mm-hmm. is. You know, the greats, the future Hall of Famers can play um, at a high level uh, into their late 30s oftentimes. But, you know, I actually wonder if the Penguins looked at the East this year and went, "Mm, maybe we should just wait on this. Maybe we'll wait and see if Bergeron and Krejci retire and all of a sudden Boston doesn't look so good or Toronto makes – um, you know, they, they don't get through the first round or something and, and they move on from some of their core players in, in their weekend and they look to the future or Tampa Bay gets one year older. Maybe we need to just punt on this season because the East looks so good. Or maybe they just tried to get JT Miller in and couldn't couldn't pull the deal off. So they went, all right, let's get Michael Granlin instead. Uh, but I really do wonder if this will, will actually be revisited in the offseason and whether or not at some point the Canucks either have to come out and say, yeah, it's st- we're, we're, we're still open to anything pretty much, or if they have to go like, okay, we got to stop this. We got to mm-hmm. stop this JT Miller talk. We're keeping JT Miller. Okay. Because yeah. I, honestly, like, I mean, you said earlier earlier in the show, like, you know, we're, we're not just doing this so we can bring up our favorite talking point because, frankly, this is not our favorite talking point. We're so tired of this, but mm-hmm. it's still out there. It's still front and center, the JT Miller situation. Yeah, and all I wanted to say was to the people that think that, again, some people have some very myopic views on what's happening. And I think it's the big, bad media. And that's fine. Like, we are big and bad and stupid and whatever. Like, sometimes that happens. But I think I can only speak for this show and Bruff and I and the dogs as well. Um, all we're doing is trying to think about this on the highest level, which is hard because we're not smart, but the biggest picture imaginable. So when you're talking about that, you have to talk about the highest paid player on the team, JT Miller, the guy with the longest term, JT Miller, and the guy who was involved in some sort of trade talks up until Friday, JT Miller. They all matter in the grand scheme of things because he's a huge part of this right now. Huge, huge, huge part of this. That's what you have to understand. So we're walking you through it as best we can because this is how we see next season playing out. He's either going to be a huge part of what they're doing on the ice or he's going to be a huge part of what they get in return. Either way. Now, someone else texted him. Come on, guys. Talk about who has a job next year and which which prospect we could expect in the 6-12 to range if we fall out of the top five. One... We are talking about who has a job next year. Miller will either have one with the Canucks or won't. Two, we are we can discuss this on the other side because something else you might want to start thinking about. Don't start thinking about prospects in the 6-12 to 12 range. Think about what that first-round pick might get the Canucks in return. Oh, boy. Okay? Oh, boy. Start thinking about it. Oh, think no. Think about it. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. Put it in your brain and think about it. We're going to talk about that on the other side. We also need to talk about the Calgary Flames. They are in a very bad way. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
When's the last time we said the Tampa Bay Lightning were in a very bad way? But they absolutely are. It's a Monday. We're angry and up the blood. I know that the Canucks beat the Maple Leafs on Saturday, which is actually a very entertaining game, by the way. Despite the fact that the Canucks had to start three hours earlier than normal. What was your favorite part of the game? Mine was Tyler Myers' hit on John Tavares. Uh, that was pretty good. Mine was the shorthanded goals. Yeah. Just, it was, so it's funny. I think it was Woodley wrote the article, the gamer for NHL.com. Mm-hmm. And the lead actually included the fact that the Canucks have this historically bad penalty kill. Right. But also managed to score two. I call it the goals. power kill, though. Yeah. Two short-handed goals in 44 <laughs> seconds, which is amazing. I still can't really wrap my head around it. But it, yeah, it was an entertaining night. Um, but again, when we're, I mean, here's the thing. The other thing with the, the show is that when we got off the air on Friday... The trade deadline was still going. Like, that's how long it's been since we've been on the air. So many things have happened since then. And then Alvin met with the media on Friday afternoon. We parsed through that over the weekend. And then, of course, like the insiders like Frege have all the post-deadline stuff that they've heard that never materialized and what comes next, right? So one of the things that we were kicking around the idea of, in part because Alvin covered so many topics on Friday, was the remaining first-round pick for the Vancouver Canucks going into the 2023 NHL entry draft. So here's a question I'll throw out there. And remember, five consensus studs in this NHL draft. Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Benson, and Mitchkoff. After those five, who knows? So here's the question I'm throwing out to the listeners too. If the Canucks don't end up with a top-five pick, which pretty much means at this point, if they don't win the draft lottery, right? Do you think they'd consider? Do you think they'd float? Do you think they'd? Yes. Trade their first <laughs> round pick. I do. Um, I do. I do. At this point, yeah, it'd be pretty silly to rule out the possibility. This team is chasing the primes of Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. And Thatcher Demko. Now, when do those primes occur? Uh, right now, you're they in. are. You're in, in it, bud. They are in their primes. Arguably, the best defenseman to ever play for the Canucks. Broke an NHL record too. Nobody's even talking about the 200 assists. Yeah, first... one one game faster than Brian Leach. Yeah, yeah uh, both bad. Bobby Orr. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you've heard of him. He's El- decent. Elias Pettersson, who has had a terrific season and is evolving into. One of the one of the best two way players in the game, and Thatcher Demko, who we all know uh, when he's at the top of his game, is one of the best goalies in the NHL. They also have to shed some contracts. They need to move some bad money out. Now, I'm not saying that they would, you know, use the first round draft pick to trade Tyler Myers or use the first round draft pick to trade OEL, and we'll get to OEL in a bit because it would take more than that for OEL, but it could be used in, let's say there's a blockbuster trade. Like I go back to that OEL trade. There was a lot involved in that. There were shedding contracts of the first round draft picks coming back. There was a defenseman in OEL. There was Connor Garland. Like it could be a big deal like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now someone texted in and said that Patrick Alvine um, said on Canuck Central that you know, one of the reasons they felt comfortable trading the the pick that they got in in the Horvat deal was that they still had their own pick. Yep. And yeah, that that might be like I, I'm not saying the Canucks are definitely going to trade that first round draft pick, but I'm saying that I think you have to monitor it 
Um, because if it falls outside that top five, that consensus top five players, which seems likely at this point, mm-hmm. considering the standings and the way the Canucks are playing, which is actually better than they have most of the season, and they're getting goaltending now, um, I think you got to. I think you've you've definitely got to consider it because they uh, uh, they are chasing the primes of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko. So here's the thing. Uh, and we'll get to some of the Alvin audio in a sec. But Alvin essentially said once they realized that Hironic was available, they got in on the action. Correct? They said that they, 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 yeah. I'm just I'm paraphrasing here. You last week astutely pointed out that the going rate for players of that caliber, especially defensemen, is exactly what they paid. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an overpay. The first and second for a 24 year old right shot D man who's a top four guy. 25, but still market close. market value, yeah. right? If you're going to do it again and you're going to expedite this process where you want to get players in the door that are around that same age, 24, 25, and, are, and you're chasing the prime, <laughs> guess what it's going to cost again? A first and probably something else. So who, like, who, who, what are you going to trade? If, uh, can everyone agree that the Canucks are probably going to be trying to get another defenseman in the door that fits the age range 25 and under? Yep. Okay, well, some people won't want us to talk about trading the first-round draft pick. Fair enough. What else can they trade? Thatcher Demko. Well, people won't want us to talk about trading Thatcher Demko. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> right? right? Like that. Well, but, uh, that's he, a problem. Yeah. And, 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 and like people will say, well, don't stop talking about trading JT Miller. And even if they trade JT Miller, apparently what they're interested in getting back is a young center in return. Or two first-round picks. Well, I don't. I don't. Apparently not. No, I know. It's um, it, it's, it's it's just they have limited assets to trade. Brock Besser isn't going to get it done. Connor Garland isn't going to get it done. Uh, let's talk about cap space now, because they don't have all that much cap space to chase any moves. Really, like they're not in this position where they're like, we got a lot of cap space, so we can we can probably take advantage of a team that's capped out. Mm-hmm. They're not. In that position. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Eight oh three on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody! If you're watching on the live stream, Sportsnet Now, great app. Download it today. You just watched me fumble with my headphones. I was going to say twenty-five they, consecutive seconds. They just thought you struggle at the start of the segment. I couldn't figure it out. Those were some panic hands. I kept twisting them around because I like having the cord on my left side. Right. Okay. Gotcha. I like the panic hands. It's like jazz hands, but freakier. Panic hands. Panic hands. Give me the panic hands. They're not adjusting well to being televised, folks, and it's not even really television. That's Bruff in front of that with the puck. You got <laughs> yeah. panic hands. Yeah. Panic hands. Bruff's got to get up and down here. <laughs> it's an easy chip. Well, now he's further away. <laughs> Seems to be shaking uncontrollably. <laughs> uh, Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. IMAX is going to join us in just a second here. Uh, before we get to him, need to tell you that Hour 3 of the program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound. 
real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com. Today, finally, Jason's going to tell you about the fine folks at Kintec featuring both footwear and orthotics. Nothing for panic hands, though. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Do they have shoes for panic feet, do you think? <laughs> Panicky feet. Yeah. yeah. My feet got the shakes. What do you got for that? <laughs> What's the nickname you just came up <laughs> with? It was in the text box. Panic Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Unsigned Tech. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay, time now to go to the phone lines. A presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Ian McIntyre here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, iMac. How are you? I'm doing well. You guys have made me smile like three times while I've been on hold for 90 seconds. So. Nice. Thank you. Good for you. I can picture panic feet when Jason Bruff is standing on the first tee and there's people watching. Uh, yeah, and panic hands too. And he's going to his golf bag. It looks like he's bringing out a beer and he's going to chug that beer. And now he's a lot more comfortable. Um, Uh, yes. What gets us through the round? Yes, absolutely. Um, so much happened over the weekend, but let's start with that Leafs game because while I was at the rugby sevens and, uh, couldn't actually, um, watch the game, um, the last time I was at BC Place while the Canucks played a home game, I was at Elton John while the Canucks had their home opener against the Buffalo Sabres, and I feel like the atmosphere in the arena was very different against the Leafs. <laughs> uh, I assume you were there. <laughs> what, yeah. what was it like? Was it? I mean, I know oh, Team Tank. Yeah. Team Tank won't be happy, but even some of the most ardent Team Team Tankers is that what we, what we call it? Like, might have enjoyed a night off to beat the Leafs. Yeah, well, uh, it nothing unites, and I mean that literally, like nothing. There is nothing else that unites Canuck Nation like beating the Maple Leafs in Vancouver. And incredibly, like I didn't realize this until the game, like, it, you know, it's always a fun f- fixture. But incredibly, 16 times out of 18 games this has happened since the NHL reinvented itself in the 0405 lockout that the Canucks have beaten the Leafs in Vancouver. It, it's, it's always a fun game. And of course I go back before that. So it, it's always been a, a, a great game, a great atmosphere when Toronto comes, but early on, I noticed the difference between Toronto coming and Montreal coming. When Toronto comes, Maple Leaf fans are so excited to see their team. They wait all year for this, they buy tickets, they wear their jerseys, they drink beer like Jason Bruff on the golf course. They have fun. Their team loses. It doesn't matter. Hardly matters. They're there to have fun. They cheer. It's, it's great all the way through. When the Canadians come to town, their fans uh, are much the same, except they're booing the Canucks when they come out, and they really don't like the home team, and they just want to see their team win. And if their team doesn't win, they're pretty quiet mm-hmm. at the end. Whereas the Leaf fans, they're still drinking and cheering it and stuff. Yeah. Just my two cents worth. It was a great night. Um, Thatcher Demko, he's looking he pretty was great good too. He's, he's looking pretty good right now. Um, I think a lot of people, well, actually, people probably haven't forgotten, but like he didn't look good early on in the season and it was kind of one of those chicken and egg things like does he not look good because the Canucks are so bad in front of him or are the Canucks so bad in front of him because they don't trust what's going on with their goaltending right now do you think there's any correlation between Thatcher Demko's strong return 
and the fact that they've got a coach, a new head coach, that is emphasizing structure. Yeah, I would say there's some there's some correlation because it's always you speak to any goaltender, uh, it, it's always easier when there's for him when there's predictability from the team and there's a lot more predictability and consistency now from from the Canucks. The goalie's not when the other team comes through neutral zone, the goalie's no longer guessing. Oh, I wonder where I should be on this rush because who's going to be left open? So yes, yes, it does it does help. But I would say to your initial question, the, the chicken and egg, they just both were bad. Yeah. Like the, the team was bad and, and Demko was bad. And uh, I've, I've said many times, and, and many people have said this as well, because it's fairly obvious, which is what most of my observations are, as you guys know by now. But the, the, one of the most important things during this discussion and the three-month uh, period between games for Thatcher Demko, one of the most important things for this team to get right was to not only make sure that Thatcher Demko was healthy, make sure he's back to where he was. And, and you never know that until you actually play games. But don't, don't just bring him back to be when he's recovered from this groin injury that he suffered from December 1st. Bring him back when he's recovered from that and has his technique back from last season before he had whatever the other surgery was, the mystery surgery, which I think was a huge factor in his, in his poor start, that he just, his mechanics, he just wasn't, wasn't moving, wasn't playing the same way. It's a really small sample, of course, just these three games. But he's looked better in each of the three games as they've gone. And against Toronto, he certainly looked like the top five goalie that he was last season. And it just makes a, a, a massive, massive difference. It's not that the Canuck goaltending was just sort of bad while, while he was out and even – you know, when he started this season, it, it was atrocious. It was, it's their team save percentage of 87% is the worst in the NHL. Maybe it's going to climb now. Well, it will climb if Thatcher Demko keeps playing this way. But the difference between 87% and 90% is huge. It's a goal a game, essentially. You know, a goal every 33 shots. And Thatcher Demko, I think he's been 937. So he's been just lights out. And let's not pretend that, that he's going to go 937 and that's going to be the standard. But even you go 910, you go 915 instead of, instead of 870, you know, that's four goals every 100 shots. It's a, it's a massive difference to the outcome for the team. Uh, Miller and Pedersen each scored shorthanded, which was fun to watch and enjoyable for the crowd. But it's funny looking back when Rick Tockett first took the job. Did he not kind of insinuate that he didn't want his top players like Elias Pettersson and JT Miller on the PK, or certainly not often? And right now, Miller and Petey are the first two guys that go yeah. over the boards in terms of the forwards for, for the PK. Um, but I, I wonder if Rick Tockett has just looked at the options that he's got and going like, they're probably my best PKers right now, but the Canucks need to find some other guys to take the load off Miller and Petey, do they not? Yeah, they do. They're going to have to teach them, though. And I think that's that's part of it. I think we'll, we won't see, well, at least I don't think we'll see Petey and Miller out uh, as much. 
next season once Tockett and his staff have some time to teach other players uh, how to how to kill penalties. But not only did he insinuate that maybe he wouldn't want them out as much, he he said so. His quote when he took over, and I think you know, in fairness to Tockett, he was talking about the penalty killing generally and not specifically those two guys. He said, I just can't keep running these guys out there. And and now he's running them out there, as you know, as you say, to start every penalty kill. But it also might be not just, well, he has he doesn't have any options. He might have gone, holy crap, look how good these guys are yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Like how dangerous they are. And we know that they're, they're, you're still going to give up goals. But when you have that kind of deterrent, like, hey, maybe we'll score some of our own. Yeah. And, and, you know, to get to uh, 44 seconds apart on, on the same power play that potentially was going to win the Toronto Maple Leafs the game. And instead, the Canucks won the game on their power play shorthanded. Both goals, just superb goals, like uh, absolutely brilliant goals. You know, the pass that, that uh, Pedersen made, I think it was between Marner's skates, you know, 70 feet onto the tape of, of uh, Miller's stick for the second one. That was, that was as good as anything in the two goals. But just brilliant goals from really high-end players. And those guys have both, you know, Pedersen, we all know, he's been easily their best player this season. It's not even close. Mm. Although maybe Quinn Hughes is making it closer now. But, yep. but Pedersen's been great all along. Miller was, you know, awful at the start, mixed in the middle. Now he's playing his best hockey again. I think both of these guys have benefited as well from whatever Rick Tockett is telling them. Uh, this is going to be another one of my classic questions of choose the most likely thing to happen. Okay, this offseason, off yeah. I'm giving you three options. You pick the okay. scenario that you think is most likely to happen, and you can't say, and you can't say none of the above. All right. First option, the Canucks in some way trade J.T. Miller. Second okay. option, they trade their first-round draft pick, their remaining draft pick. Third option, they buy out Oliver ekman Larson. Oh, I'd say three yeah. is by far the most likely. And, and I don't think two is going to happen no matter what, and I think one is a possibility. I think there'll be more – they'll revisit J.T. Miller and his contract and what that might look like to move. Uh, for sure they'll revisit that uh, when, when the season ends. But I, I think of those three, uh, by far the most likely is, is a buyout of Oliver ekman Larson. And I, I realize with the, the conditions, very stringent conditions that are applied to these special Jason Bruff questions, I can't say none of the above, mm-hmm. but I'm not saying that they're going to buy out OEL, but I'd say that's the most likely of the three. Do you think it's better than 50-50, though? Uh, I'd say, you know, I'd land around 50-50. Yeah. Because it's such a poison pill to have to pay a guy for eight years not to play. Mm, Yeah, $20 million in cash, I think, over those eight years. And that's that's a heck of a request to go to ownership with. Yeah, and and even uh, I I mean here's maybe I'll now that I'm going to talk it out I'm going to say slightly under 50-50 that it happens cuz here's what I think uh, they've had just this titanic season like the team worse than anybody could have imagined and now with talk it and structure we're seeing some hope again is it going to be completely false hope like it was 
for Bruce Boudreaux, it, we can't say that. Like nobody can say, yes, they're, they're not going to play like this next year. Because, uh, you know, one of the things, and I called around about Talkett when he took over, and I talked to a couple of uh, ex-coaches who know him, and they said he's, he's, he's not going to cave in. Like he's not going to give up and give in to players who don't want to do what he wants them to do. He's he's going to be stubborn and he's going to outweigh them and he's going to get what he wants. And already he looks like he has uh, a pretty good team. I, I don't, you know, Alvin said Friday that the plan for next year will be to make the playoffs. Nobody really knows what next year is going to look like at this point. Uh, I think the most likely thing is that they would start next season with Oliver Ekman Larson and they're going to see how the season goes and they're going to see how he goes and if he has another season like this one, then I'd say it's a lot more than 50-50 that in, in summer of 24, they buy him out, and then they've got six years left instead of eight years left. How much pressure is going to be on Philip Hronik to show up and not <laughs> only be like adequate, but actually like above average? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot of pressure because that, that deal, and I, I was – preparing like you guys were going to rehash the deadline with me. So uh, I was looking at a lot of stuff on that. I, you know, the, the Ronick deal is so uh, disliked by so many people that it kind of, it kind of colors the whole deadline. And, you, you know, the Canucks made six trades if you're going back to Horvat. And if you look at each one individually in isolation, almost every one you'd say, yeah, good trade, except you get to Ronick. And some people hate the trade so much that they now hate the deadline as a whole and maybe hate the team as well or hate this regime for, for, for doing the trade. There's, there's a ton of pressure on them. I kind of feel, feel sorry for them because we've seen before in this market when guys come uh, amid or in the wake of uh, an incredibly unpopular or criticized trade, it, it's really difficult. They're, they're, they're like a marked man, right? People are, some people will literally be hoping that he fails because they hate the trade so much. Uh, I, think he's, I think he's a good defenseman. Like everybody else, I have questions about the timing, but I think I'm probably a little different, which also you guys know, uh, probably a little different that my biggest beef would be not that they made the trade to get him, but what they paid like, could they have paid less, Yeah, you know, given what the prices were? Uh, I look at it like, you know, last year in the summer, they didn't have a lot of breathing room, but they had enough money to add one good player, you know, one player who was going to cost. And for better or worse, they decided that was going to be Ilya Mikheyev, uh, who was pretty good uh, while playing hurt. They probably looked at it and said, well, okay, we got – enough money to add one more player this year, this off season or before. And it just so happened that Ronick was the guy they wanted. And so they made that deal. Now they got him now instead of waiting till the summer. So he's, he's their big ad for next season, even though it came in March of, of this season, there's a lot of pressure on him though. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope he succeeds. It, certainly the Canucks, got their guy. This was the person they, they identified Steve Iserman, I think surprising a lot of people decided yet again to just sell off players for draft picks, even though his young team has come a long way and we're in, in the playoff fight. 
in the really tough conference. He decided to take the team backwards yet again. So maybe Ronick came up and the Canucks were surprised that he was available. And I don't know. I don't know. Alvin didn't, you know, didn't get into a lot of detail about the trade because there was so much, so many other things to talk about. But the Canucks got the guy they wanted. They paid a huge premium for him. And uh, it, I think it's going to be tough for Ronick, even if he plays well, depending on who Detroit gets with those picks, it's going to be tough for him to, to win people over and, and think that this was a good trade for the Canucks ever, ever. In the, in the same way that J.T. Miller, there's still people who criticize the J.T. Miller trade, saying, well, it was a wasted, a wasted uh, asset because Miller hasn't made them a playoff team. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for Ronick to win people over. Uh, let's do the winner right away. We have two tickets to tonight's game, 7.30, no, the start time. Mm-hmm. Preds, Canucks, Rogers Arena. We have a pair of tickets. The winner is, do we have it ready? Yes, Chris from Surrey, what we learned, my girlfriend is having her book club meeting tonight at our condo. I'd want to get as far away as possible from that, so perhaps the Canucks game could be my excuse. Chris from Surrey, books? Get away from those. Who's ever learned anything from a book? Come on. Go to a Canucks game. Go to a Canucks game. Congrats, buddy. I wonder what they're discussing. I wonder which book they're discussing. You could ask for a follow-up. Maybe he'll know. Yeah. Chris, we need to know which book they're discussing. I'll tell you what. We'll give you one ticket for winning. And the second <laughs> ticket, if you write back and tell my, us what book they're discussing. My Dinner with Andre? It's Little Women. Little, little women. They weren't little women. They weren't little girls it's, anymore. It's, <laughs> it's funny. It's a it's a Jack Reacher book. The gals are getting together and talking about this drifter that beats people up. Interesting. Taj from Surrey, what we learned, the Canucks performance versus the Leafs is indicative of what this team will be next year with competent NHL goaltending. Mm-hmm. That's more than competent, folks. What Thatcher Demko has done in yep. his, what, three games since returning from injury? Yeah, he's looked very good. He's looked solid. And I always like saying that uh, while Laddie is around. Like, he looks really comfortable in there because that does. drives Laddie crazy. He looks big. He's, he's squaring the big. shooter. By he's playing big. big. That's all you got to do in yeah. goal. You play big. And when you're playing bad, you're playing too small. Look a little shaky, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that, too. But Todd from Surrey, overall, this is what uh, Patrick Alvin is hoping for, and this is what he's expecting. It felt like the Canucks media badgered Patrick Alvin into saying that he expects the Canucks to be a playoff team next season. Say it. It's like, say it so we can use this against you. Say it. It's like the Bart I didn't do yeah. that part. Yeah. Yeah. Say the line, Alvin. He puts his head down. He's like, we're going to make the playoffs. Yay! Yay! Everyone's happy again. <laughs> You're an idiot. That collective yay is two-thirds of our audience, by the way. They're like, yes, yes. He, he said, said it. it. Ah. Boudreaux said it too, and it went terribly. Speaking of Boudreaux, I got one here, a Bruce Boudreaux, what we learned. From Rager, hashtag WWL, what we learned. Uh, we learned that Halford is right. Of course I am. The Flames are absolutely going to hire Bruce Boudreaux. He'll make all those guys feel good. They'll sing Bruce, there it is, and we will all hate it. For the record, um, I was half joking. Like, I think I think it's the perfect Sutter antidote. It was funny. You, you said it, and I was like, you're an idiot. Then I was like, but maybe. <laughs> is it not? Like, who yeah. is who, what's the Sutter antidote? What's the first thing that comes to your head? Boudreaux, right? Hey, when does Bruce Boudreaux jump the shark? I think he's there. You think so? Trade Center didn't help. Although a lot of people love that. Yeah, that's fine. A lot of people love that. But jumping the shark isn't, I mean, part of it is people not liking it. But part of it is, like, <laughs> y- you become aware of your character, and then yeah. it becomes... Not it, it lacks authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of part of it. Is it's like, <laughs> is Bruce B 
being Bruce or is he being what like is he being Bruce there it is like it's only, you know what yeah. I mean I don't know I mean he he likes being on television he's done it before sure, we should yeah, point yeah, that yeah. out and he's a very very gregarious guy and I think he maybe knows that coaching gigs and offers might be far and few. I just know how this goes, right? Like, it's like, everyone loves Bruce. Now everyone's getting a little bit of tired of Bruce. Yeah, right. right? (laughs) All right, that's enough. Um, You think it's Sutter to Boudreaux. It could be Trey Living Sutter if he gets angling for this GM job that he's going for. I think Daryl's in Bruce territory that if this is is his last job, then we'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Well, Chris from Surrey got back to us. The book in question is called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Oh, okay. What's wow. it about? I was he doesn't chemistry. know. He says, don't ask me what it's about, but it's called Lessons in Chemistry. It's not about the Canucks. Yeah, it's, it's not about the Canucks. By yeah. Bonnie Garmus. Okay. Uh, Graham and Surrey, let's not get distracted by Chris from Surrey's girlfriend's book club. Uh-uh. Again. No, I'm into it now. <laughs> now we got a text link to the Amazon. <laughs> if you want to buy the book, I can read it out. <laughs> Have you got a description of it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm right here. Just what have you got? What are, oh, okay. Well, God, we're <laughs> Oh, idiots, oh, oh. Honestly. Bo- Bonnie Garmus is apparently, this isn't like a first-time author. She's got a, a laundry list of books. Oh, this Bonnie Garmus. Oh, Bonnie Garmus. Okay. Yeah, it's a Bonnie Garmus club. That Bonnie Garmus. <laughs> <laughs> the Bonnie Garmus fan club. We just read books occasionally. Okay. Uh, a delight for readers of Where Do You Go, Bernadette. That was the blockbuster debut. Where did she go? I don't know. Columbus? Uh, there's a chemist named Elizabeth Zott. Okay. Is this uh, fiction or nonfiction? It's nonfiction. Okay. I, it's, I, as far as I can tell. I think Bonnie Garments in the show uh, tomorrow. To oh, <laughs> she's, she's a chemist, and okay. she's, it's, it's set in the early 1960s, and her mm. all-male research team at the Hastings Research Institute takes a very unscientific view of equality. Ah, I see. Oh, except for one. Calvin Evans, the lonely, brilliant, Nobel Prize-nominated grudge holder who falls in love with, of all things, her mind. Is this fiction or nonfiction? It's nonfiction? It's nonfiction. Okay. I think I'm going to no, read this. No, it's like fiction. This. Yeah, it's Correct. fiction. That sounds like, I was like, and then she falls in, or he falls in love with her. Yep, no, that's right. That's fiction. Is this just one of those cheesy romance novels? Yes. Okay. Do, do, you think this is, do you think this is what the Halford and Bruff book club would be like? <laughs> Trying to determine whether a book is fiction or nonfiction. Yeah, Did it happen or not? <laughs> a couple of people are alleging that I don't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction. I could see that. I <laughs> One is real, one is fake. Which one is it? Tell us right now. Nonfiction is real. Ugh. Fiction is fake. That's the F's. There's alliteration. You're Googling it right now. Yeah. I'm not Googling it right now. I loved now. your guessing when I was like, is this nonfiction or fiction? I, I think it's nonfiction because it's about a chemistry team. I was like, oh. A famous chemistry team that I, everyone, of course, has heard of. Then I started, I, I was then doing it, it start, You started reading it. I'm like, this sounds fictiony. The Hastings Research Institute. Oh, that doesn't sound very nonfiction. That sounds rather fictional. Well, watch that. That might be real, actually. Who knows? I'm going to look it up oh, right God, now. Oh, God. Why do you get distracted? So should add another laptop to the mix. <laughs> Make it even worse. That's why I have two laptops. <laughs> this is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.